Hello, listeners, and welcome to the very first episode of Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate will be a podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and any other sharp truth creature in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. So for this very first episode, I will be tackling an animal that, while near and dear to my heart, has definitely caused its share of nightmares and irrational phobias. That's right, this episode I will be talking about our friend the snake. Or more specifically, our friend the python. Now, in many modern cultures, pythons are getting kind of a bad rap, which is totally unfair. But for non-herpetologists, it's easy to see why people are afraid of them. The Pythonidae family contains some of the world's largest snakes, including the African rock python, which can reach or even exceed 20 feet, which is 6 meters for our non-US listeners, which is huge. So, in addition to being a huge animal, unfortunately pythons do not get more cuddly. The basic anatomy of a python could be considered a strike against them. Pythons have six rows of sharp, backward-curving teeth, two in the lower jaw, four in the upper. They kill their prey via suffocation, which is a pretty slow, nasty way to go. And they're ambush predators, which means they will see you before you see them. They also happen to be found in Africa, Asia, and Australia, three continents where people spend a lot of time outside. But should seeing a python make you think of death? Sometimes, yeah. In the tradition of the Souk tribe of western Kenya, and I'm very sorry if my pronunciation is wrong. After death, a man's spirit may travel in the shape of a snake. Now, there are plenty of snakes outside in Kenya, so a person is still allowed to kill snakes they find in the bush. But if you get home after a long day of killing snakes and find a snake in your home, get that snake some meat and milk, because that snake is one of your ancestors. And if you're nice... This ancestor snake may even intercede with God on your behalf to avert disease and disasters, which is pretty chill of them. Many python species hang out around water, so in addition to being the spirits of ancestors, pythons have also been associated with water, rain, and fertility. For example, Mamiwada, which again, I'm very sorry if my pronunciation is wrong, is a class of water spirits associated with fertility and healing in many African religions and they're often depicted carrying a python or part python themselves. Which, large pythons, brings us to rainbow snake. The rainbow snake, or snakes, is the ultimate good snake. In some African mythologies, the rainbow snake was a gigantic snake that emerged from its burrow in the earth whenever it was thirsty. This python was so large that rather than wait for the rain god to feel generous, if it was thirsty, it would just periscope its snaky way up to the rain god's domain while still being able to keep its tail on the ground, of course. Once it found the rain god's water, the rainbow snake would then snoot up as much water as possible. Luckily for humanity, it was apparently a clumsy drinker like most pythons, and would spill a bunch of water as it drank, causing rain, which is pretty cool. Rainbow serpents don't only appear in African mythology, though. The rainbow serpent also appears in the aboriginal mythologies of Australia. While the number of snakes varies from tribe to tribe, and the rainbow snake, or snakes, have a ton of different names which I am unable to pronounce, the concept is generally 
that the rainbow serpent controls water and lives in deep permanent water holes. When the snake emerges from one water hole to go to the next, it is so large that it creates gullies and deep channels as it slithers. It is often depicted being in combat with the unyielding sun during dreamtime stories, with the battles being understandably more epic in monsoonal regions where the rain can fluctuate quite a bit. Because of this association with water, a suggested origin species has been the carpet python, which is often found near water and can't go along without water. More than simply controlling water, though, the rainbow snake's immensity and proximity to life-giving water has created associations with the serpent and land, life, social relationships, and fertility. They're seen as guardians of their people and punishers of evildoers. There are too many stories to get into, but I would recommend checking into the rainbow serpent myths further. There are some really great stories of the rainbow serpents creating land, falling from space, and swallowing people which is sometimes a good thing. Sadly, even if a python has cool powers, not all python stories have happy endings. In one of the most famous python myths, the myth of Python and Apollo, things go from bad to worse for our friend Python. Python, the child of Gaia, lived in a warm cave in the center of the earth and guarded his mom's favorite rock, the Umphalos, or the navel of the world. Because the center of the world is a powerful place to be, Priestesses would come to the oracle and become oracles, which is confusing, I know, but an oracle can either be a person or a place where oracles are. Now Python, being a giant python, could have chased these priestesses out. But, being a good son and a very chill snake, he just lived in harmony with them at this sacred site. That is, until Hera came a-calling. Apparently, Zeus had once again been unfaithful to his wife and prayed in another woman, Leto. Hera, who for some reason never goes after Zeus, somehow convinces Python that he owes it to her to chase Leto around the world so she can never give birth anywhere on Earth. Which must have been a huge drag for Python. Pythons are ambush predators, and may not even move for days at a time. Chasing a woman around all day and night while warm rocks are all over the place just waiting to be basked on must have felt like it was punishing Python more than the woman. So... When Poseidon and Zeus found a loophole and created a new island for Leto to give birth on, Python must have took one look, said fair enough, and slithered back to Delphi to find a place to wait for a nice pig to ambush. Unfortunately, he hadn't counted on four-day-old Apollo getting some arrows and a bow from Hephaestus and tracking him back to Delphi. Because that's what Apollo does. And because Apollo isn't dumb, even though Hera is the one who sent Python, Hera is a goddess, and Python is much easier to kill. I can't imagine poor Python's confusion as this tiny pink creature chases him into his own burrow, surrounded by the priestesses who he had lived in peace with his whole life, and shoots him full of arrows, all because he did one lousy favor for Hera. Apollo does, of course, afterwards name the priestesses Pythia after Python and institute the Pythian games, but... I'd imagine that was small comfort to Python, who I'm sure would have been much happier just chilling next to his favorite rock. So, that's going to do it this week for Pythons. I know I haven't even begun to scratch the surface for snake myths, and I totally plan on doing more snake myths in the future. But for now, let's raise a glass to Pythons. Cheers, Pythons. Good job creating land, bringing rain, and occasionally being someone's grandpa.
If you want to know more about any of the stories, check the show notes. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's the best way to get this little show going. Thank you for listening, and remember, anyone can be a monster.